powered by Riverside. I'm so excited to share today's conversation with John Rader, Managing Director and Head of Software Investments at Bow River Capital. Bow River Capital is a private alternative asset manager based in Denver, Colorado, focused on investing in the lower middle market and three asset classes, private equity, real estate, and software growth equity. John has a 25-plus year career as a CEO and investor in Software as a Service, or otherwise known as SaaS. He has scaled numerous market-winning software companies, including IQ Navigator, FRX Software and Samba Safety, and Mobile Solutions. I can't wait for you to hear this episode with John Rader, so without further delay, let's get to the show. John, I'm so excited to have you on the Road to the Top podcast. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. And before we get started, a big thank you to Bree Alito, CEO of Alpi, and Kevin Kelly, the CEO of P10 Holdings. They were uh, prior guests and helped with prep and questions for our conversation, John. So officially, welcome to the Road to the Top podcast. Thank you, Will. And uh, my my gracious thank yous to both Kevin and, and Bree, terrific CEOs and, and uh, great lifelong friends as well. What I'd love to start is your career path. So I know from our prior conversations, you originally, you know, started as an operator and now have transitioned to investor role. Can you share that journey, maybe post University of uh, Colorado at Boulder? Sure. So, um, like like many in the early twenties, I wasn't sure exactly my my path forward. I was steeped in um, team sports, always uh, focused on athletics. I was always uh, academically very competitive. Uh, that spurred on my interest to business. I was raised by both uh, both an entrepreneurial mother and an entrepreneurial father. Uh, my mother worked full time, and she was small businesswoman of the year. So, I had the advantage, given that she uh, led and founded a manufacturing company, to engage at a very early age on the elements of business and cash flow and and growth uh, across many many different. Um, macro periods. Uh, my journey started very early on in California. I had, was working with Oracle in the very early days. It was a mere startup back in the late 80s and early 90s, going through the typical startup-y uh, frailties, uh, high highs and low lows of business, and ultimately grew to, to lead and manage people in the application business unit, which ultimately led me to um, have my hands across every operational facet of businesses, uh, and even my exposure to venture capital, which I kicked off with my own fund, Raider Venture Fund, in 1996. And over the last 25 years, consistently, I concurrently was a founder and CEO of multiple successful businesses and also an investor, always in the same domain, which I focused on recurring revenue or cloud-based businesses back from the late 90s all the way through to present day and the institutional fund that I managed today at Bow River Capital focused on software growth equity buyouts. You, you mentioned that you started your own venture fund. Was there a specific funding stage that you like looked for or specific thesis that you had with your fund? From its very early inception, I focused on pure business-to-business, B2B, 
cloud-based businesses with its underpinnings um, focused on recurring and durable revenues, highly, highly mission critical oriented back office businesses. I would typically cluster around financials, manufacturing distribution, human capital management, any businesses that made um, its end user customers more efficient with a compelling ROI are the businesses I would invest in. By way of stage, I invested in businesses that were at or near positive cash flow. So rarely, if ever, did I invest in pure startup uh, aspirational businesses that hadn't proven out their their ideal customer profile, their go to market, or had even you know been. Um, pre-revenue by way of its product life cycle. So with um, with the notion of investing off my own balance sheet, I was never comfortable by way of risk return investing in, in businesses that um, were, let's call them zero to five million. So for, for most of my life, I've invested in businesses that are in the, call it three to $12 million in revenue range at or near positive cash flow have proven out they can build software uh, and sell it and keep customers happy. And ultimately, through my deep operational uh, competencies and learnings, along with many fantastic CEOs and other executives across every operational area, we, we focused on business scalability, acceleration, but never at a growth at all cost perspective, but rather at a very efficient level by way of metrics. And so that's what I've been investing in for 25 years, professionalized the strategy through a performance playbook and ultimately launched now a second uh, institutional fund and currently managing approximately seven, 700 plus million. So you mentioned the metrics in the playbook that I wanna definitely dive more deep into. Um, with the current CEOs that you work with, what are some of the key metrics that that you find helpful to kind of track? I think a lot of the um, audience who are current founders would find that beneficial to see kind of your insight. And it probably depends on per company, but maybe there's a correlation. Let me first start with there's four or five critically important metrics that um, will stand the test of time and others that are adapting to the new world order that we're grappling with, with a major macro recessionary, recessionary periods. And you first start with growth, but it in the past it was growth at all costs. And now I would um, over index to smart growth, efficient growth, such that simply put um, by, by way of investing a dollar in sales and marketing expenses and OPEX, you can produce greater than uh, a dollar of of net new ARR through your bookings. And so um, sales efficiency, sales growth, certainly um, your ability to keep customers jubilant, earn that right by way of churn, and as importantly, net retention metrics. Um, what's changed mightily over the last uh, couple of years in my mind, and certainly in the real time, are a hyper focus on free cash flowing businesses. So. If you were to analyze a regression on SaaS company multiples over the years, it used to be a two to one ratio of growth to profitability. And now 
um, there's equal weighting applied to both profitability and growth. So a business um, in our world, that's a rule of rule of 40 business, which simply put is annualized recurring revenue growth plus EBITDA margin um, is an extremely compelling rarefied target to achieve. Um, illustratively, if a business is growing at 100%, which is superb, but losing massive amounts of money and it hasn't proven out its economic and business models, that business is not nearly as valuable as a business that's growing at 40 to 50% and generating 5 to 25% EBITDA margin. So there's a, there's a fine balance there that um, entrepreneurs and tech CEOs will be rewarded for uh, along with their shareholders and stakeholders if they can produce a sustainable cash flowing business that's generating significant top quintile um, or, or top decile growth metrics. I understand that these CEOs will lean on your your expertise as a VC in terms of strategy. And you mentioned your experience as an operator and your playbook. Would, would you be able to share some of the key concepts of your playbook that you found most beneficial? For years, it's, it's, it's always been a huge advantage for my teams, myself, and boards I've worked with, boards I've served on. Be very credible with respect to inputs, also uh, in extraordinarily disciplined in the way you think about business execution and very consistent in the way you apply your methodologies and playbook to um, smartly scaling businesses. The reality in today's world is all business units, all functional areas can be monitored very closely around their key performance indicators, KPIs, that will help drive performance, whether it's obviously the uh, the transformative approach that Mark Benioff and Salesforce.com applied to sales forecasting, accuracy, and pipeline development 25 years ago to the way um, software development and engineering firms, let alone product ideation and product management teams, are now monitored by way of that same level of rigor. Insights you, you gather through uh, monitoring systems on your customer's usage of that B2B application and company to um, obviously um, extremely granular financial metrics are now the drivers to the best real-time decisioning inputs str strategically and tactically that, that uh, a company and, and board can align on. So it's moved, the pendulum has swung mightily from instinctual and experiential decisioning to data-backed decisioning on every level. And so there's no reason today that early stage entrepreneurs to experienced tech CEOs can't license or subscribe to all forms of software generates better outcomes, better results, more predictability, not just in the near term in a current month or quarter, but going out um, on a rolling 12 or 24 month basis. And so we will always apply our playbook now in that realm to produce best-in-class results across our portfolio. That's great advice. From prior conversations, you've been a huge mentor to Bree. 
who you mentioned as the CEO of Alfia now. Would love to hear who some of your biggest mentors have been and best advice that you've been able to learn through them. You know, we've now mentored, obviously, Bree, but there's nearly 30 executives out of our, what I call our coaching tree that have become enormously successful CEOs. I think about Tim Leonard, Dave Walters, Joe Poxon, uh, and even, even Kevin Kelly, who was a great um, great founder and CEO that um, we worked extremely um, closely together, aligned on uh, the North Star of, of Alfie and his business. And so, and consistently worked for extremely tough CEOs, some of the toughest CEOs in the, in the history of tech, including what was Larry Ellison at Oracle and uh, others at CSG Systems. And so I'm steeped on high accountability, a belief in, in being able to drive uh, significant amounts of connective all-in perspectives across every type of staffer from an individual contributor in engineering, perhaps a junior to mid-engineer, all the way up to your, your C-level officers from individual contributors to uh, great leaders and managers. And, and I don't um, overweight a great revenue producer versus a great software developer or a great manager over a great customer service rep. In all dimensions, at all stages of, of an individual's career, we right-size the opportunity, the person's intellectual horsepower, their, their ability to um, have significant headroom to um, ever-increasing more complex opportunities for them, that individual or team to demonstrate their ability to adapt to really um, extraordinary, extraordinarily highly pressured goals and results. And that all correlated to the tough CEOs, founders, and managers I worked in my lifetime for. Um, and so I look at mentors across many domains uh, I had fantastic coaches on the athletic field. I referenced the extraordinary um, inputs that I was blessed with, having been raised by entrepreneurs in a in a in a business focused family. My my parents had and and their parents had enormous had an enormously positive impact on my outlook around um, how to execute in business and how to honestly, at the, at the very lowest common denominator, treat people exceptionally well, no matter what role they played in a company. So, um, you know, I'm a lifelong learner, a voracious reader of content, always forever adapting. I've been now in the world of um, finance and operations in the world of tech 25 years. And over that long horizon, if you um, weren't able to adapt, you, you weren't flexible and you weren't an inherent lifelong learner, um, extinction is a reality, both companies and from an individual perspective. And so um, that sustainability has served me well by all elements of, of my lifetime. Let's talk about um, how you work with mentorees. So you mentioned Bree and Kevin. Was there a structured process that you Went through when we have a very structured framework in both our investment model and our operational model that call that starts with what we call the farm system. So we will we will strategically recruit what we call high potentials, hippos, right out of college, first or second job, 
post undergrad into our customer operations model. Uh, within that first few assignments post college, they'll be exposed to rudimentary elements of, of software, how companies operate, how to engage with uh, difficult, complex customer calls, how to learn and evolve your skills through uh, mentorship at, at the very inception of our businesses. And over time, we'll rotate post that customer service role, our staffers through most every opportunity within, um, within each functional area. So for example, Bree and Joe Poxon and, and Dave Walters have done just about every job in a business in different ways. Bree came out of the business development centric uh, starting point. Uh, Tim Leonard uh, came out of product. Dave Walters came out of finance. Uh, Joe DiPaolo came out of operations and product. Adam Soiberg came out of operations and product. And the reality is that um, over many years of working with great category winning companies in the world of, of B2B SaaS and being able to stretch and evolve in nearly every critical functional area of that business, we can evolve someone from just post-college into a CEO in uh, in in 10 to 12 years time now sometimes it does take longer there's all kinds of um sequencing in a person's career and in certain dynamics of that particular macro and particular um technology companies growth and and opportunity to to create to create new assignments for for folks but essentially you can go up and to the right in your career trajectory and our model through this series of ever increasing complex assignments. And in 10 plus years, you can position yourself as a C-level officer or a CEO. And it's very programmatic. It's uh, in our Bow River Capital's uh, platform model. It's called our farm system. And now we have well over a hundred folks, as I referenced earlier, 30 CEOs that have all come out of this framework that is tried and tested for our staff. And that becomes an extremely compelling differentiation on why folks at any inflection point in their career want to join the Bow River Capital software growth equity funds model so that they have ever increasing opportunities across our different portfolio companies, not just in one company, but they can they can um, move from one company to the next and one assignment to the next assignment and ultimately uh, end up running the companies. You mentioned Bow River Capital. Right now, your current role is as managing director of the software growth equity um, team. What are the biggest challenges within the VC and startup space that you see today? Well, there's plenty uh, dealing with a massive um, global humanitarian issues, dealing with uh, macro recessionary issues across Europe, Asia, PAC, and that contagion moving to the U.S. You know, the reality is that uh, Bow River Capital is extremely well positioned by way of our, our both our fund one and two to, to, to continue finding great uh, subscale technology businesses that we can in, invest in. So as I mentioned earlier, we, we don't invest in significant cash burning companies where we're underwriting venture risk. So we're looking for those businesses 
much like um, the same relevant and similar businesses we've invested in over 25 years time to um, find the right businesses with the right investment merits, right characteristics. And we'll look at hundreds, even a thousand plus companies before we find 15 plus percent that meet all or most of those characteristics. And then we go into an elongated diligencing process that through pre and post COVID was a bit unique, but certainly um, we are never rushed in or participate in blind investment banking auctions. So our strategy is to work very closely with bootstrap founders, tech CEOs, build relationships, um, create a highly comprehensive hypothesis on how they can um, work with us to scale their businesses from, from three or five million up to uh, 15 to 30 million and really create a category winner. And we never short shrift our approach to sourcing and building that pipeline, our deep, deep due diligence, which we do internally as a team and through our partners, and ultimately um, the transactional structure that makes most sense for that bootstrap founder and for our LPs and investors going forward. And ultimately, um, with great referenceability across our 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 base of uh, founders that have worked with us were able to find incredibly interesting businesses on the cusp of massive acceleration of growth and profitability that ultimately positions them for a uh, much bigger global play um, as we install our playbook and certain allocate capital install uh, some new talent, um, deploy our farm system, as I've referenced, rebuild the go-to-market motion, and typically we'll double or triple down in our innovation investments. And all that being said, um, we've been able to produce top 1% to 2% returns uh, on an institutional benchmark, and we've been able to raise 700-plus million in institutional capital um, over the backdrop of the last three and a half to four years, because our strategy is differentiated, our team is differentiated as operators and not just pure allocators of capital or financial engineers, and ultimately producing these extraordinary returns in a significantly truncated period of time compared to general hold periods of venture, traditional venture capital funds and, and private equity funds. You mentioned that you are on the board of you know multiple companies. Can you provide any advice to founders as they're building out their board of directors? Is there any tips that you would give them to make sure that everyone's aligned? Because sometimes there you know could be conflict between the board and the entrepreneur in terms of vision. Now, is there any correlation or any advice that you could give to those folks? Well, that's a great question, and I, I found in my experiences, boards that merely provide capital aren't significantly differentiated and the vast majority um, are managing capital but don't have relevant experience to give extremely specific pointed advice that can really solve um, tactical and, and even the most strategic problems. So um, as a, as a multi-time founder and CEO um, and with a team of, of multi-time founders and CEOs on our investment team, I think we 
we tilt to um, first um, establishing, uh, establishing a relationship of extreme high integrity, open, transparent communications, and an agenda that doesn't move. And so our cards are face up from, from day one through, through a successful exit. We want, to, um, we want to be completely value add, set aside that we are willing to put growth capital on the balance sheet to, to drive acceleration and, and innovation and, and sales and operational scale. We want to provide preemptive advice, which, which um, allows the operators to focus on, on scale and smart, smart acceleration of growth without hitting a number of hurdles that, that we've lived through experientially. So my advice to um, bootstrap founders and tech CEOs is to find folks that align culturally with your vision and the kind of purposeful um, efforts you and your staff engage in every day. Find people that are extraordinarily talented at product and development and engineering, separate with sales and marketing, and even separate uh, strategy, corporate finance, and even capital raising, let alone preparing for a, a highly successful exit. And if you can find that in a capital partner, like we've endeavored to, to distinguish ourselves around at Bow River Capital, you get the best of all worlds. If you have to separate those two and you've got certain board members that provide capital and others that provide all that exceptional operational insight before, be, before problems and red flags are hit. Um, that is also a very suitable path, but um, there's, there's no substituting great thoughtful experience and inputs when you've got, um, when you're, you're in a very tough grind or battle monthly and quarterly trying to scale your tech business. I completely agree with you. Transparency and trust between founders and, and the board are extremely important. The audience loves to hear, you know, not only about your past journey, but also your plans for the future. Uh, would you be able to share any professional or life goals that you have for the future? Sure. Like humble approach to life. It's always family first. Uh, I have an uh, incredibly supportive family with three beautiful children and uh, a wife who I met when I was a teenager. So um, the vast majority of how I prepare to live my life is, is around um, ensuring, ensuring that uh, I carve out uh, all the time necessary to invest in, in, in them and their lives first and, and foremost. Secondarily, it's, it's my life and plans in business. Uh, I'm extremely excited about um, closing off our second fundraise, which we're targeting uh, more, much more than $500 million, uh, to be raised. Uh, and we're right at that mark in less than 120 days. So what that means to entrepreneurs is that I have a significant amount of dry powder to invest in great companies and great ideas. And so uh, feel free to reach out to me at any time at Raider at Bow River Capital. Uh, if I can be helpful on any dimension or uh, even potentially uh, partner with you to, to grow your business, we'd love to do that with you and together as great partners. But we'll invest in approximately um, 11, 11 or 12 businesses 
most of those will be driven by organic growth. And, uh, but we also look at strategic M&A, especially in this market where organic growth is more difficult. Uh, M&A becomes a, a mitigant or driver to, to growth uh, regardless. Um, and so I'm excited about deploying that fund thoughtfully. I think now's the best time maybe ever in my lifetime to find great companies and capitalize them appropriately to, to, uh, into big winners. And so the whole Bow River Software Growth Equity Fund too is extremely well positioned to launch. Personally, I'm excited. I'm going on a fantastic trip to, to Greece, uh, later in 2023. So, uh, we'll be bringing my whole family. So that's uh, something I'm, we're working on now and I'm excited about always traveling and visiting uh, new new uh, countries and cultures and, and learning a great deal with my family, exploring the, the fantastic opportunities across the, the planet Earth. So a uh, lot to be a uh, lot to be very grateful for and excited about. I, I went to Greece last year, so I will send you some recommendations. I got you covered. Um, Excellent. Now, one. One uh, question that we got from the audience in prep for this was they would love to hear what is the worst career advice that you've ever heard? And the single worst career advice may be never delay on a significant personnel issue in your business. It will not go away. It will only worsen. And the sooner you can get a, uh, your head around Exiting from a bad partnership, exiting from a bad executive relationship that's contagion to your executive team or to your customers in particular, the sooner you can act on a personnel decision that is thwarting systematic execution or um, alignment of your team, the better off you are. There's a, a great book. Uh, many great books on on executing to this, but um, David Horowitz is one of the the great venture capitalists. He's got a he's got a great book around that. But that is probably the single most important level of advice I can give. Um, there's there's a few other golden nuggets, but um, you know I'll hold back on on others. Yeah. No, that's that's great. Thank you, John. And so the last question we have is. Um, Around advice for college grads who are looking to get into venture capital, any advice that you have for them? You know, for those of you who want to pursue a career in private equity or venture investing, I would strongly encourage you to find a path less traveled. So that the typical career arc is um, performing exceptionally well in college, undergrad, going to work for an investment bank, working in an investment bank two or three years, reverting back to a graduate program, MBA, uh, at a top school, and then coming, finding your way into a venture capital fund on the coasts or a, or a private equity firm around the country. And I would strongly encourage you um, not to short shrift your education ever, but rather find an extraordinary operational assignment with great mentors in an industry that you're motivated by. Could be technology, could be biotech, could be finance or even 
oil and gas or real estate, um, all those businesses are, and industries are incredibly lucrative. But do yourself a huge favor and really immerse yourself operationally. I think you will find yourself completely advantaged in the world of investing if you actually know how businesses operate from the inside out. You experience sales and customer calls and financial models that don't work out perfectly and good managers and not so great managers. And those experiences um, will create a vast difference in the way you think about investing a significant amount of capital in businesses and then how to manage your capital through to a very successful exit. And Will, I would just say that we offer many, many different kinds of internships, which we've been offering strategically as a recruiting pool for 20 plus years. We offer early stage assignments and operations. We offer mid-stage for those of you who have an MBA or have three plus years of relevant working experience. And so again, reach out to me at Raider at Bow River Capital. And if I can be of, uh, if I can provide some advice or inputs on your best, best next step, uh, fully, fully appreciative and will do my very best to, um, to guide you in the right path. Really appreciate that, John. And really appreciate you taking the time to come out of the podcast. It was so great to finally sit down and have a conversation like this. Will, thanks for the opportunity. And uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate Kevin Kelly and Bria Leto um, introducing us together.